Welcome to Divorce Etc. hosted by us, the ex-experts. We're here to give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Plus, we're asking a lot of the questions that you may not even think of or know to ask, but we know because we've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. So on today's podcast, I am really happy to have my friend Julie Ween here. She is a licensed clinical social worker in New Jersey. And um, she and I have spoken a lot about divorce. She is not divorced. She is happily married, but she works with a lot of women um, and who are going through divorce and growing and trying to like figure themselves out. So we have spoken a lot about different topics and different things that kind of come our way, good, bad, and ugly. So welcome to Divorce Etc. today. Thanks for being here, Julie. Thank you for having me. So in our last conversation, we were talking about rebound relationships. Like what really is that? Because I definitely had one. Um, Jessica can tell her stories. I'm sure it's very common. But once you're separated, because it's not even divorce, like the minute you've got your ticket to to ride, head out, to ride <laughs> you do. Uh-huh. And so, but sometimes you get so caught up, you're like, oh my God, and I love this person. I love him. He's the greatest in the whole world. And meanwhile, everyone else is looking at it like, are you kidding me right now? So let's talk about like love and lust because there's definitely a difference. Mm -hmm. And side note, you should totally enjoy the ride. I am not taking you away from that. I just want you to know that it's just a ride. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yes. Okay. So what would you like to? So when you're first coming out, so, okay. I separated from, from my ex-husband. I had had many years of, you know, loneliness, misery, a lot of other bad things. Mm -hmm. Right. And no intimacy Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. In fact, like the opposite, like just like not even feeling desired. So I got into some, you know, I went on a blind date and then it was somebody who I knew and blah, blah, blah. And then it it was like a rapid rush to like, I I was like, oh my God, I found the love of my life. (laughs) Clearly like the racehorse out of the gate. Like you had to just run to it. Why is that? Why do we do that? What's and how do we, I think it's also like, how do we differentiate within ourselves, whether or not it's something that actually could be serious or whether it's more of a reactionary measure to kind of where we're coming from? I think that at the beginning, uh, after you're in that separation phase, it seems to me that it is more of a reaction, impulsive response, then perhaps on a more lust type of a basis than necessarily this love connection. Could it happen? Sure, anything can happen in life. But I do believe, at least for the women that I work with and have worked with, there has been so much physical, emotional, verbal, mental cruelty and deprivation throughout their years that they are longing so much that they will put up with 
other things mm -hmm. that might not even, they wouldn't in their normal life, but because they are so lonely and so empty and so hungry, which I use that term quite a bit because they are starving. And they're like a shell of a person. And I think that probably you both can identify with that in some way. It's, it's a very traumatic experience. And so when we you know, meet someone else, it might not be the person, but it feels like the person because we want that to be the person. Right. We want to erase or, you know, just get rid of or undo all of that ugliness that we experienced. It's so nice to meet someone and feel like, oh, they're actually interested in me and they're attracted to me and yeah. right. And they, and they, and they desire me and all of those things. I think what what I probably struggled with and what a lot of people struggle with is you get to a point where you do feel like you're okay and you're not necessarily feeling like you're a shell of yourself anymore. And you might be feeling like you're ready to meet someone and then you do. And then I think in retrospect, you might look back months or years later and think, you know what? That actually was a rebound and mm -hmm. I didn't realize it at the time. So is there a way for us to be more aware of it in the moment? Like, are there specific signs or tips that you would give to say, look, if you're thinking this or you're doing this or you're feeling this, you might want to be a little bit more aware of the fact that it could be a rebound relationship versus could be something more substantial. Absolutely. I, first of all, I think that, you know, at least in the women that I have worked with, um, they suffer a lot of trauma. Um, and so when you're dealing with that and you're dealing with all of that hypervigilance and the startle response and all of that, like you're not thinking clearly. So I am always doing so much reality testing and trying to bring them back and reframing their thought to what reality is versus what this fantasy mm -hmm. may be. And I, I, you know, say things like true, false, somewhere in the middle, balance the scales. Is this really what you think? Tell me why you think that. And I do a lot of problem solving, you know, tell me, is this, you know, explain to me why break that down for me. You know, what does that look like? What does it mean exactly? Um, I'm, I personally, I'm very hands-on. I am, I am very direct. I am very upfront, the way you see me now is the way I am in the room. It's, there is no change. And I think that that directness allows them to see a real human side and be, you know, to make them feel okay and normalize it rather than, oh, let's look at this. This is really terrible. Oh right, because then you feel like it's another thing that's wrong with me. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I mean, I really, I definitely was thrilled to have a breadcrumb. And I thought the breadcrumb was like the dream 
was like a Godiva chocolate. Totally. And, and, and I will tell you, and to anybody listening, um, if you're able to have someone like Julie or, you know, some type of therapist kind of supporting you and guiding you and calling you out on things, it's really important because then you're going to learn how to kind of call yourself out on things. I remember I went to her and I was like telling her this whole story and for dinner, I got an English muffin. Like that's what he's like, well, I've got English muffins. And so he's referred to as the English muffin guy. All I got was an English muffin and I was elated. It was like the greatest thing in the world. And, 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 you know, that kind of makes you realize where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. So how do we differentiate though, between something that could be, I don't know, a bagel (laughs) versus the English muffin. I don't know what the ideal, the croissant, I mean, whatever the analogy is for the good bread, like the donut, you know, (laughs) but in all seriousness, I think that that's kind of what, um, what a lot of people are struggling with because you are going to therapy and you're doing the work on yourself and you're moving forward and you're, you know, redefining who you are and you feel like you're doing the things that you should you feel be like doing. You feel like you're you're putting in the work and the mileage. Number so, one, yeah. number one, I feel like if you're getting repeat performances on the English muffin, then you know that that's the, you know, the top line. You're not going to get. What do you mean by repeat performances? Meaning that you're not going to get much more than the English muffin. If I settle for an English muffin. Exactly. That's what that's the the bar that we set. I think part of the challenge though, when, when you're in a certain place is that you don't necessarily realize that you're settling. You right. are already getting so much more than where you came from right. that, you, that you don't think that you're settling. So how do you de- determine that that's what's happening? That because if, if I am hearing the same story week after week, I do call the person out and say, I'm noticing that we're hearing the same English muffin week after week. Can you tell me about that? Because it really seems, you know, odd to me. Like, isn't there more than just the English muffin for you in your life? Didn't we already have these experiences? Would you not want more? Because that's where you came to see me in the first place because you were so lonely and hungry. And you know, scraps, I don't think you were really interested in. I thought you wanted the whole plate, not just an English muffin. And I think also it's a matter of realizing that you deserve. Absolutely. Absolutely. I settled for a lot because I thought maybe that's all I should get. And that's what women think all the time. This is, this is all I deserve. This is all I'm good enough for. And I am forever reframing, recreating, re-identifying, and literally making them also say mantras to themselves. I am good enough. I am so-and-so in order to reframe their thoughts because they have been so emotionally beaten down, whether it's by their partner or by proxy by themselves. Mm -hmm. So you go out and you meet 
we're just going to use the example since we're women, meet a guy and he seems like the full package, right? He treats you so well. He takes you out. He cares about you. He seems thoughtful and, you know, generous. And he's nice to your kids. If you have kids, like all of the things that would kind of be on your ideal list to check the boxes. Correct. Mm -hmm. So I'm still struggling with like, if it seems so good, how would I know that it's not really real and that it's more of a rebound situation? What should be the inner cues if it's like these things are so good? Well, there are a certain amount of time you you, that that someone a minimum that someone needs to wait before they can really allow themselves to consider the idea that it could be a serious relationship or like what are those types of tips? Well, it's really hard to say um, because every relationship develops, you know, in a different time. I will say that you know, as grown women and adults, they certainly, I would say, grow faster than they would, you know, when we were like 16, 18 years old, so that things move at a much faster pace. But just because they move faster sexually doesn't mean that they move faster emotionally. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between the love and the lust. So- Sorry to interrupt. So I have a question because I think that everybody who's been divorced and starts dating again has had circumstances where in some um, relationships, if you can even call it that, they'll meet someone. And like you said, things may move fast sexually, and but you still may not have like a real emotional bond or connection yet because that part is still growing. Then there are people that you meet where you're going out repeatedly and you're getting to know each other. And maybe the sexual part of the relationship is moving significantly slower. Is that the key? Or does that still not not prevent that from potentially also still being a rebound? Because now you could be having like an emotional relationship in your head. Exactly. So you really, it, you know, there's no right or wrong. I can't you know, these are like, there's no guideline, you you know, every, every person is different. Every human being is different. But if we are seeing certain signs, then, you know, our, what I try to do with my patients is look at our own emotional barometer and to try to get in touch with that. How are we feeling about things? And to really understand is this something that is working for us or is it not working for us and why is it or isn't it and what is going on for us and what is it bringing up for us so there's no straight answer if you're no it's it's not linear you you know real substance and 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 you know a good thing in your life i also think that you kind of like, unfortunately have to live through some of this stuff, maybe a few times. It took me a few times. I needed a few. I, I, you, you have to get back on the horse or on oh, the bike and ride even, it a little bit. Yeah. I couldn't even hear what was being told to me. I, and I think that that's part of it, that you are so shell-shocked that when you come out of the gate, like a horse, whatever, and you're just running, you're not hearing your, your, your body and your mind are so disconnected and you just need to be loved and heard and validated by the same sex, opposite sex, whatever, you know, you choose. And 
that that is where your first line of defense is. And, and that that need, that primary need is what really is so something that needs to be fulfilled more than anything. And so it, even though it's skewed, because it's not 100% accurate at that particular time, that's what you are requiring because of the deprivation. Mm -hmm. right. So is there, are there questions we can be asking ourselves or signs that we can be looking out for that would maybe say, you know, this is a little bit more of a red flag or that we can be a little bit more aware of as our own kind of personal emotional check-ins over the course of a relationship. Maybe it's been a couple of dates. Like, okay, how, how am I feeling about these specific things? Of or, course, of, of course. You know, how often are they contacting you? How often are they, you know, how attentive are they to you? Are you liking their attentiveness? You know, would you like it more? You know, all of this is sort of like your own, again, emotional barometer, but you know, are, are you, do you feel comfortable when you're with this person? When you're not with this person, how do you feel? Would you like to be with this person more often? Are you getting out what you would like to get out of it? What would you like to get more out of it? What is missing? You know, those are the sort of like the, the little, you know, in the back of our head, you know, as we're trying to think about things, you know, in terms of everything else, I, you know, I wouldn't be like, you know, did he check this box or that box exactly because not everybody is going to fit everybody's box and things grow and they develop and they, they change and we evolve. We're all learning, thinking, feeling human beings. So we, we, we change and we grow, but we want to know, you know, if certainly if there are signs that are alarming, you know, then we sure. need to pay attention to them early on and not negate them despite our feelings of loneliness, which happens. And also listen to our other side, our emotional side and say, well, I may not like so-and-so, but I'm really liking so-and-so. Like what is, what is acceptable and not acceptable types of things, if that makes sense. Do you feel like you hear a lot um, or, or interpret a lot that someone may like, be seeing someone and like their sexual chemistry could be off the charts. And that is totally making them think it's more than it is. And how oh, does someone 100%. pull back from that and reanalyze what's going on? A hundred percent. Absolutely. And I would say that happens more often than not, you know, at the beginning phase at, you know, when you separate or when you, you know, after the divorce, you know, early on type of thing when you're first very, very vulnerable. And it may happen 
you know, several times, it, you know, it's sort of like ebbs and flows, but you have to, you know, know and respect yourself because you, you know, and give yourself permission to allow yourself to say, I'm okay. I realize, you know, I'm lonely. I'm in a, you know, a vulnerable state right now. I may not be, you know, a hundred percent where I want to be, but that I know I'm going to be getting where I need to be. I think it's really a quandary because you're like bringing up so many things. Um, for me, yeah. I was in a marriage where I was afraid to voice yeah. the things that made me uncomfortable yep. and things that yep. I didn't like. Yep. And it took a little while. Well, my gut is, is like the loudest thing ever since the last day of my marriage in my mind. And, um, in the relationships I've been in, I would like feel that gut like creeping up on me again, but in my head, I'd be like, but it's so nice. And you know, whatever. And I would like shove it away. Like shush, shush. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to hear it. Push it down. Yeah. I'm having a good time. Don't, don't mess with me. I'm not going to let that bother me. Mm-hmm. And also as you're like growing and discovering and learning again, you're going to learn, you know, what's okay and what's not okay. I don't think you really know what's okay no. and what's not okay. No. And coming from my position of like very poor, if any communication with my spouse and almost like, um, like serious emotional stress. Um, I, it, I like had to be trained how to communicate. So, and even like, what is that feeling? Like, how do I put a word to that? Like, how would I tell Julie, like what that is? I mean, I could tell you how it feels, but I, like my stomach hurts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it like doesn't tell you anything. Mm-hmm. And what does it hurt? Well, it hurts when he says blah, blah, blah. Cause it reminds me of that time in band mm-hmm. camp mm-hmm. when, you know, whatever happened, but, but that really does happen. And even in you know, a relationship that I was in a long time before my current relationship, I was like, I don't have time for this shit, but he's serving a purpose. So I I think it really is a growing time. I think that you are really instrumental and everybody in your field in terms of helping us figure out what that angst is to like, put it into words, like language. And then when you say it out loud, then it's like, whew, thank God I'm free. Like you rip the bandaid off. Fine. Yeah. yeah. It's very relieving when once it's, you know, you're putting those pieces of the puzzle together because there, there isn't a lot of language. It's just, it's very primal, the, the feelings and they're very raw. So it's important to have those pieces put together so that you can, you know, come full circle and in order to have a fuller life. Right. I mean, I think like being able to voice and, and say whatever you're capable of saying, because you guys actually build the story. Like my therapist built my story. I couldn't even remember what I said two minutes ago, let alone last week. And I do remember one time she said something to me, which I, to this day, do not remember. I went to the gym afterwards. I did a workout class 
And I had like a complete breakdown. I had a holy shit moment and I had to leave the class. And I was like, she said something that like festered in my subconscious and screwed up my workout class. But she built the story because I don't, I feel like a lot of people- planted the seed. Right, but, but you guys, I mean, how do you build a story for someone? So I come to you and I'm like, help me with what? I don't know. Like, I don't even know. I I just know that I had a bad marriage. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get in a relationship. I thought I found the love of my life. I've only known him for two weeks. Like Mm -hmm. that sounds ridiculous, but that's how you feel sometimes. Exactly. But nothing. How do you help people identify? This is what the love of your life should feel like. And this how it feels to you now. So how do you help people? Like really, I know every situation is different, but just take mine for right now for what you know. Like, uh, what would you even say to me? How would you help me identify it so that I could learn, you know what? She said this to me, I remember now. And that's exactly what that looks like or feels like. Like, How do you help people in general terms? get in touch with themselves like that. It's, it's a lot of work. It's a, it's a lot of work. Yes. But I do draw patterns like you were talking about with your therapist, who obviously you had an aha moment, even though you may not have realized it, it, but I need it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, what this is about. It's, it's, it's about sort of retraining your thoughts, feelings, and emotions so that you're able to re-identify and reestablish your, your footing and yourself, your, your inner self. So, you know, each person is an individual. So what, what would be helpful for you might not be helpful for Jessica and so on and so forth. So it's, it's, you know, it's tailor made per the individual. It's, it's not cookie cutter. There is no prescription, you know, for, for this. It's just very individualized. So what would you say to somebody who's newly separated, whose emotions are, you know, I I think probably right more often than not when you're first separated, regardless of what side you're on, is it, is it fair to say that you are probably pretty vulnerable and maybe Absolutely. not making the best choices in general terms? Like mm-hmm. just be careful of your decisions or no? Yes, but there is a way in which to say it. So right. it I mean, can I'm be saying yes. like, come on. Yes, yes. But there's a way in which to say it and approach it that could be taken in and heard and understood. And also I think the repetition of how it is said and the reinforcement is also very important. So that that is, it's layered on. Well, are you sure that, you know, cause remember we were talking about so-and-so. I also hear, you know, a similar theme that you said last week when so-and-so. So I always am referring back so you're connecting the dots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I do feel like it is a it is a big challenge and a big struggle for a lot of us to find something meaningful 
and realize that it actually is meaningful and is not just a rebound relationship. I think that's one of the big fears when you meet someone is like, is this just going to be a rebound and kind of how to distinguish if it is or if it isn't. I like your your message of if you have something in your gut or you're thinking that there's something that may not be 100%, but that that same feeling keeps coming up repeatedly, you got to listen to it. I've really struggled over the last several years of um, of being able to trust my own instincts and being able to trust my own gut. And, and that's been a huge part of my personal process is relearning that, like to listen to my inside, my inner voice and how I'm feeling inside and, mm-hmm. and be honest about it. Like, yes, there may be all of these great things over here, but there are still these other things over here that really just aren't going to work for me in the end and figure out how to determine which weight you know, to give to each thing to be able to know whether or not it it can actually work. Right. So, and and then, and then of course we all know that, and Jessica and I've certainly learned this hard knocks way, and I'm sure you've had plenty of patients come into your office. Um, You know, I hear so many times from other people, you know, am I ever going to find love? Yes. Like, where is the man? Yes. You know, you're so yes. lucky you have somebody. Yes. Yes. And, and that's not the goal. That's not the goal in life to find somebody. The goal in life is to be with oneself. very close to, which is so good with ourselves. Mm-hmm. We are in a good place. We recognize our downfalls, our weaknesses, our strengths. You know, we're, oh, everybody's always growing and evolving, like you said, but the goal is not to find the guy. The goal is to be good to you Yep. And to be honest with yourself. And that's, you know, that's probably the number one thing, right? So when people, Absolutely. Say, that has to be the number one message. No? Yeah, I, I just uh, bent down because I do make my patients like read certain things. So over the summer, there was this book that I made them read. It's called 10% Happier by, uh, by Dan Harris. He's a, a, he's a, a publisher, I think, uh, you know, so I, I, this was very useful. What does it say life. on the front of it? 10% Happier. And then what does it say below? How I, how I tame the voices in my head, reduced the stress without losing my edge and found self-help that actually works. A true story. I love that. That's a great yeah. recommendation. Yeah. Thank so you. I, I do that all the time. Like I'm always, you know, I'm about a bag of tricks. We do this and we do that. So I'm always trying to, manage myself, my words, and then giving on top of that, this I think can help with this. And this outside of our work, let's do this and come back and discuss it mm-hmm. so that they're, they're also working on the outside. They don't just leave the 45, 50 minute session and say, okay, thank you. Till you I right. 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 Exactly. Well, it's, 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 an ongoing process, I think, for all of us. Um, and your insights are incredibly helpful and so useful. So thank you so much. You're thank welcome. you so much thank for you. taking the time today. And everyone listening, 
Um, Julie will have her own experts page on our website as everyone else. So you'll be able to read more about her, connect with her um, and schedule appointments if that's what you're looking for. So thank you so much, Julie, for taking the time to share all of that with us. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to Divorce Etc. with the ex-experts. We really hope this episode was helpful for you in getting information you need and feeling empowered to get through it. And always remember there are so many of us just like you. Now please hit the subscribe button so you always get new episodes and please rate and review us. You can also check out our website filled with free resources at xexperts.com. Follow us on social on Instagram and Facebook and send us an email to let us know your thoughts or any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about. See you next time.